Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-hosts on the 15th of May 2005 when West Brom beat Portsmouth 2-0 to perform the great escape. They were there and so was I. Firstly, how are you, John? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Good memories. And how are you, Steve? Yeah, sharing them good memories, to be honest. Absolutely great. I've used that one before. But I decided to bring it up because obviously it's the last game of the season yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday the 8th of May. And I thought I wanted to remind everybody of a glorious final day of the season. Because even though it was a good win yesterday, it was still a little bit of a disappointing season. Um, so much to talk about this week. Uh, the West Brom have served up plenty of us to chat about. So as I always like to say, let's dive in. Uh, like I've mentioned before, this is our final episode of the season we will be back uh, probably sometime in mid-june uh, just a little update to remind you that we're still here uh, and then when the season starts we'll go straight into our weekly podcast like we have for the last 40 episodes because this is also our 40th episode so first thing i want to talk about is the win against barnsley 4-0 convincing win uh, before the game i was a little bit disappointed that uh, more youth team players weren't starting. I know there's the argument that we've got a, a youth cup final coming up um, against Wolves. So I can understand the reason behind that. Uh, obviously, it was it's next Friday, so it's not like it's the next day or a couple of days later. So it's a little bit disappointed that we didn't get more youth in the side, but still convincing win. And it was a nice at least finish. What has been a disappointing season on a positive, wasn't it, John? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, <clears throat> it, was a, it was a pretty um, solid performance. Um, I don't think Barnsley are great shakes, bless them. I think they're in, they're obviously you know down and out, so they're not very. They probably weren't. Didn't have a lot to play for. We didn't have anything to play for, but I think some of our players were playing for the shot window. Uh, hopefully, um, but yeah, yeah, just a just a good result. Uh, and I think under any other circumstances, we'd have been very pleased with it. What do you make of it, Steve? Well, I've been polishing that bloody shop window for about the last three weeks. <laughs> and it's uh, it's as clear as a bell and it's got a lovely shine to it. So I hope everybody was looking through it, to be honest with you. Um, but the game itself, really, I mean, they didn't even pick. Well, I think they were playing a lot of their youth, weren't they? Uh, Barnsley. <clears throat> I don't think they uh, they took the, the, the fixture particularly seriously as far as wanting or expecting any points is concerned it was a run out and uh, and they just wanted to honor their their uh, their fixtures as far as we was concerned um yeah we were all over them i don't think really there was a five minute spell in the entire game where we didn't uh, where we relinquished control of the game we were we were just in total control um and although four goals is is a good return too for uh, for Grant, I honestly think, well, he, I mean, he should have had four, um, but I, I think we should have had more goals. And I think what, what we needed, if they really wanted to impress that home crowd and send us send us home with a uh, with a warm, fuzzy feeling about it all, um, they could have prosecuted that game and really, really put them to the sword. Uh, four nils a good, solid win. But I wanted... I wanted to see some more. I wanted to see, you know, a little bit more. Uh, what I was pleased with was uh, Grady Diangana actually driving into the box uh, a few times, which is something that we've lacked terribly throughout this season. People actually driving into the box with the ball at their feet. 
um, clerk getting into the box to receive a lovely little deft pass uh, for his goal, which was tremendous, really, for him. Um, so, yeah, it was some of the things that we were doing yesterday. I haven't seen us doing them for the season, so we can do it. Uh, I know it was against a weakened side, but it was good to see us win, and it was good to see us win 4-0, but it could have been a lot more. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about, because I don't want to linger too long on on the game, um, is I want to talk about the squad. Now, I promised a few episodes ago now, and people have been asking us to do it, um, go through the squad um, and sort of say who you think should go and who you think should stay. It's It's been public knowledge, and it's a, it's a talking point amongst the fans that these major overhauls promised by Steve Bruce and Ron Gourlay has said things like changes coming, and he's made some positive changes so far, to be fair to him, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. But the first thing I want to do is talk about the actual playing squad. I think, you know, there's been a, a big debate on the whole season, really, of who should go and who should stay. So I'm not going to mention Sam Johnston. We all know he's going, and that that's that, really. So David Button... The first one I want to come to, uh, obviously deputised for Sam Johnston for the majority of the season, when I think Johnston made it evidently clear that he was not going to sign a new contract. Um, Button stepped in. I think he did an okay job, solid enough, I suppose. Um, So for me, do I retain, do I release? I'd say retain, but... I would expect him to be a deputy to another another player, maybe a Ben Foster or someone like that. But anyway, so I'm going to say retain. But what about you, John? I, I don't I don't need to go through this squad um, individually. Uh, from my perspective, every single player is for sale. Every single one. If we get the right offer, there's no way that we should we should not sell any of them, and that includes all the youth players, in my opinion. Not because I think they've done particularly badly. I just think that the club is needs a reset, and I think the best way to do it is to is is to get rid of as many players as possible. Really, I think that's just who, the way the world works. Who would you? Okay, then. So rather than say, you know, I agree with you. If the right price comes in, any players for sale, even the best player, you know, yeah. even Messi's for sale. But what mm-hmm. I mean is, who would you want in to be in the squad next season, and who don't you want to be in the squad next season? Then well, let's put it that way. Do you want do you want David Button in the squad next year or do you want him gone? I think it depends on well David Button's not much of a keeper really in my opinion he's we could we could get better than him for on probably on less money. Um so on on that basis yeah I'd say that we can we could quite Release. quite happily live without David Button. If you look across the board at all of our players and and uh, and the position that we've been in and have you you know have you seen any players that you've thought that have performed outstandingly all season? I think Taylor Gardner-Hickman's done well. I wouldn't say he was outstanding. I think he's done a very good, solid job. And I think he's a player that we've we missed when he didn't play and before he came into the team. Um, but no, I don't think there's any particularly outstanding ones. What do you think, Stu? Well, as far as Button's concerned, if we're going to stick with him, I, I, don't, I don't really want him in the squad, if I'm honest. Um, I think I think I'd like to see us move him on uh, and uh, and bring one more goalkeeper in. And the reason I say that is because uh, it's pretty much universally accepted that two goalkeepers isn't enough. Um, and and with the two that we've got, um, we we need we need another one. I, I wouldn't 
have signed an, a goalkeeper who's a number one either. Um, I would sign a goalkeeper uh, who is one of three goalkeepers and they fight it out uh, yeah. for, the, for the shirt. Uh, I think I think it's a, it's a staid and old-fashioned notion that you sign a number one goalkeeper if you're in a position like ours. Uh, you might do that if you're in the Premier League and, and you're going for trophies. But if you're just a mediocre um, mid-table championship side that's trying to improve, I think you want to sign three good goalkeepers or have three good goalkeepers and 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 keep them fighting it out for who's the best one uh, to have the shirt for the next couple of games. Yeah. And in terms of Alex Palmer, um, obviously, you know, he's 25 now. He's been on loan a lot uh, up until this point. I was recently at loan, I think it was an emergency loan at Luton. Um, but now he returned, but still couldn't get in the team, even though there was nothing to play for, even though Sam Johnston had stepped aside, still couldn't get in the, the team. So you'd, you'd imagine if he was good enough, he would have got that chance under Bruce in the last couple of games. So do you think it's time he should leave the squad now, Steve? No, I, I haven't seen enough of him. I mean, as, a, as an Albion fan uh, and as somebody who actually watches the team, um, I haven't seen him. I've hardly seen him at all. You, you know, you can't get rid of a goalkeeper on the basis that Steve Bruce hasn't played him, because Steve Bruce hasn't played hardly anybody out of the academy or out of out of our uh, our second team, if you like. Um, he had the he's had the opportunities to do it over these dead rubbers, and he's only taken limited um, opportunities to do so. So I'd like to see Palm stay, and I'd like to see the young lad. Uh, stay as well, Josh Griffiths. Yeah, yeah, Griffiths. And um, I, I, but I've got I'm, I've got no interest in Button. He's okay. I've, I've never seen anything that makes me think oh he's great. So he could move on, and we we can go out and get a, a third goalkeeper to um, to make that three. And, and as I say, get the get the right goalkeeper in for the next couple of games. And then if somebody really shines in training. Uh, then they take over. I'm sick of this nonsense about having a number one like Sam Johnson falling out with people possibly because he hasn't been picked. I'm bored with that. You only play if you are the best in the uh, in the squad at the time. Yeah. So so I'm bored with that. I'm bored with that elitism nonsense. Let's uh, let's have a little bit of uh, democracy and see who plays on merit. I think the issue facing uh, Palmer is that he's, a, he's his age, really, because he's not an under-23 player anymore, is he? No. So he'd have to so he'd have to go into the under-23s as an overage player, um, and he's not getting a game for the first team. So he's a bit in limbo, really, from his own from his own personal perspective. I think you know, taking away the the West Bromwich the requirements of West Bromwich Albion. If you're if I'm Alex Palmer, I'm thinking that it might be time for me to move. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another one. But as I say, <clears throat> cross the board for me, uh, right price, get rid. You can go. Okay, well, I mentioned Josh Griffiths because I think we're all in agreement he should stay. Um, sounds like, from what I'm hearing, doing very well. Uh, might not be ready for the first team just yet. I think he might go on loan again next year, but we'll see. So rather than keep, rather than sort of doing in players individually, I want to keep things moving. So defence. So Donna Furlong, Connor Townsend, Daro Shea, Kyle Bartley, uh, Sammy Ajayi, Matt Clark, Cedric Keeprey, Keen Bryan, and Taylor Gardner Hickman's listed as a defender, but I think he's more midfielder in my opinion. Out of those, for me, Furlong could go. Um, 
I think Carl Bartley, I think his time might be up. He's, um, you know, I think he's been at the, been in the team for too long. Um, yeah, you know, semi I'd like him to stay. I think he's, he's shown good signs, athletic. There's been a big debate about Matt Clark, whether we should sign him or not. I think after the last game against Barnsley, people are very much in the let's sign him camp. I'm still of the argument that if we're going to start a, a major overhaul, do we really want to keep signing all the players we had on loan this year? So in the as the defence sort of encapsulated, um, what do you think, Steve? You know, who who do you want to stay in that bunch and who are you, who wouldn't be happy um, to see in the squad next year? I'd like to keep Townsend uh, and I'd like um, I'd like to see uh, young Ashworth as he's understood it. <clears throat> yeah. uh, you know the, the 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 second person to be vying for that for that shirt that number three shirt if you like um i'd like bartley to go uh, i think we might get some money for him and and we've got to look at under every stone these days by the looks of it with this uh, with this bloke in charge to try and find some uh, some cash so that we can do something uh, whether it be wages or a, i don't know a loan fee or something um Kipre can go. Uh, I don't think he's made a, a good enough impression to to warrant staying. Um, I, I'd like to see more <clears throat> um, of um, of Taylor Garden Hickman as a as a right back before I could come to any conclusion about what his best position. Everybody says it's uh, or everybody within the club uh, says it's uh, it's right back or right wing back or whatever. Uh, but I've hardly seen him play there, so I don't know. Obviously, I want him to stay. Uh, he's a he's a youth player, and uh, and and I think he's he's our future. Um, but I'm 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 just indifferent. A Clark, as as far as Clark, I mean, I don't see I, my yardstick when I when I think of our centre halves is Jonas Olsen and G Mac, mm. and these players that we've got, uh, I'm calling them centre halves at the moment. Are not fit to to shine a blooming light at them. So what we need to do is decide what on earth we are. Uh, are we going to sign real proper centre halves, or are we just going to be a middling nothing club? Uh, and for me, Clark and Bartley are okay, but I, I prefer Clark to Bartley. But I'm not over enamoured of Clark either. So if 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 he's got to go, or if we sign him, okay, fair enough. I haven't got strong feelings either way, really. Yeah. And what's your thoughts on the defence? Uh, sorry, defence, John. Um, obviously very strong under Valerian Ishmael. So there is that, you know, solid back four there. Steve Bruce, which we will talk about, wants to go to a back four rather than 3-5-2, which he played for this. Well, started off with a back four, went to 3-5-2 and now has gone back to a back four again. So, yeah, in that group of players, I know that you say any player, any, you know, has their price, but... If you look at the team next year, which names do you want in that team and which players don't you? I think if we're going to play a back four, uh, which seems to be what everybody wants, everybody else wants, uh, I would go for Dar O'Shea at right back. Uh, I'd be looking to keep Carl Bartley because I think he can play as a as a, uh, as a defender. Uh, um, and other than that, I don't think there's anybody, and obviously Taylor Gordon Heatman will keep because he's uh, yeah. He's a utility player, and he's a youngster that we all like. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't think there's there wouldn't be anybody that I'd be too fussed about losing. Other than that, really. And Carl, Carl Bartley, you know, if we get a good fee for him, you know, we can definitely get better than him 
because the way my my sort of approach to, to to transfers is I don't care who goes as long as as long as we get enough money to be able to buy somebody who's better for less. Yeah. So, or of the same quality for less money. You know, that's all I care about. I think keeping and selling players is uh, is. It's the same. It's, you, it, as long as you end up with the same result, it doesn't matter. Um, mm. Where where the the difficulty comes in, I think, is the skill involved in the individuals picking players, uh, and the skills involved in people negotiating contracts and negotiating transfer fees, uh, which is where I worry about us now. I think when we had Dan Ashworth in charge of transfers, uh, we always knew that we'd be all right. <clears throat> Whereas I think in this, and the funny thing is, is we stopped. We didn't sell players then. That was the weird thing. Is that uh, we were under peace. We didn't want to sell players. Now we want to sell players, and we've got nobody who, you know, who can replace them. It's bizarre. But yeah, yeah. Out of those, uh, you know, going back to the original question, out of the two, that, out of the people that you mentioned, I'd be looking at Dara Shea, Taylor Gordon Hickman, and Carl Bartley for me. Yeah. So let's move on to the midfield. Uh, Jake Livermore, obviously the captain. Matt Phillips, Grady Diangana, uh, Malumbi. I'm going to mention Malumbi in a second, actually. Romain Sawyer's. Uh, Adam Reach, Alex Mowat, Rehan Tulloch, and Cleveland Castro. That's what's listed on the website as our first team of midfield. Um, so, yeah, quickly before I go into that, Jason Malumbi, uh, it was actually officially um, announced that his <clears throat> deal from Brighton has been made permanent. And I think it's very, very fair to say that the crowd went mild uh, about it. No one was particularly excited about the fact that he'd uh, he'd signed um, he, you know, he said some encouraging things that he wants to be, he wants to make sure, or sorry, he wants to develop into the, you know, a midfield, a pivotal midfielder. Um, a few people have obviously sung his praises, saying he brings energy to the midfield. Um, John, uh, sorry, Steve, we talked about it last week about Jason Malumbi because it was pretty much announced already. But John, I didn't get your thoughts at the time. So now that he's officially signed, uh, are you? <laughs> excited by the signing of Jason Malumbi? I think Jason Malumbi, you know, Jason Malumbi is, is a is a squad player for us. Yeah. Um, he, I'm underwhelmed by the defeat. I think nearly a million pounds is a lot for us right now um, when you look at the, the finances of the club. And I actually put a tweet out, funny enough, I was going to talk about this, I put a tweet out um, about the fact that I was underwhelmed by him at £900,000. Uh, it seems like a lot of money for a guy who has struggled to break into probably our worst midfield in 25 years. <clears throat> and what was interesting is I actually retweeted uh, people who disagreed with me to try and see what the general consensus was. Yeah. Um, and the guy, a chap called Jack, Jack Foster 96, at Jack Foster 96, thank you for your tweet, mate. Uh, and he said in reply to me, or you can look at it as a signing a 22-year-old Irish international for less than a million pounds. Good business in my eyes. Now, both of our tweets got exactly the same amount of likes, 69 likes each. So that suggests to me that people are pretty split, I think, on Jason Malumbi. Yeah. Um, which is fair. Um, but yeah, for me, slightly underwhelming signing, I would say. I was hoping for better for that money. I think... <sighs> Like I said, he seems like a nice enough lad and he obviously wants to improve and he wants to play if West Bromwich Albion. So those are positives. And I, But I have to agree with you as well, John. I just don't think he possesses the quality that's going to change things. And when we're going into a major overhaul, it just it's a bit of an underwhelming start to it, isn't it? So, you know, I've, you know, what, what have you changed your thoughts on it, Steve, since last week? Or are you still the opinion that he's probably 
not got the you know enough quality to break into the midfield next season. Well, if if you remember, the thing that I actually said last last week, I think, was that he's if he's a deliberate signing uh, for yeah. a, for nearly a million, um, then I, I I don't know what exactly it is other than energy, uh, and he's a, and he's a committed kid. He works really really hard. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see I can't see what else there is there. Uh, um, when I think of our, our, again, once I think of our midfields where we had energetic box-to-box players, um, which he, I'm, I'm not convinced he's a box-to-box player. He's a defensive midfielder, that lad, and he's not creative enough. He doesn't, he doesn't get into the opposition box. He scored one goal, uh, which I think was a deflection, to be honest yeah. with you. This. Yeah, against Middlesbrough. So I'm not seeing anything from him in a in a weak championship. Um, in a in a fancied team that makes me think that he's a, a really deliberate signing. He looks to me like he's sneaked through uh, on on games played because that was what was in his uh, in his loan agreement. If he if he triggers it for I don't know whatever it was thirty games or something like that, uh, and or thirty appearances, he's he's triggered it, and it seems like it's that to me. Having said that, I've got nothing against him. You know, I'm not I'm not anti him, but I just don't see anything there that sort of holds him up above anything else it's just he's just ordinary yeah well how do, how do, how do, where does he fit into what what i think about jason malumbi i think where he, where he can be successful um he's, he's another player where we're buying a player who only can operate effectively in very very a very narrow set of scenarios we always sign either defensive midfielders or attacking midfielders there's gone of the days, I think, of where we can afford a player who can do both. Um, so, you know, he is of that ilk. He's just a defensive midfielder. Um, he, like that, like uh, Steve says, you know, he's just a, he's a, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of energy, a lot of work rate, uh, which you need. But you also need a level of quality, I think. Otherwise, you're gonna have to put somebody next to him. However, that being the case, he could be effective for us in this division with somebody next to him who can pass the ball. Uh, somebody like a Romain Sawyers or a Ross, or that that chap from Blackburn that we've been mooted with to to pick up, um, which I'm not convinced by him by any, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. Um, so yeah, I think it, it it depends on who you put next to him, really. Lars, it's funny. It's it's funny. Yeah. It's, on, fun, it's funny you saying that, John, because that's exactly my thought. When I remember when we had uh, Borja Valero, um, and he he was. A quality player abandoned into the middle of of, of our um, sort of marooned. I always thought Borger was in that uh, in that midfield, and he just hadn't got that sort of midfield enforcer alongside him to protect him, to sort of like to do all of the things that was necessary. Well, if if he's been signed, if if this kid's been signed, um, in order to I don't know, shield and protect a, a Pereira or a Valero type player. That's fair enough. I'm just un- remain unconvinced. What we need to do if we if we want to emulate Fulham and get out of the Championship or Bournemouth uh, or, or or start to perform a little bit energetically and properly like Forest have and Huddersfield have, um, then we've we've got to sign some quality. We need to be better than all of those teams that I've just talked about, and we were better, uh, and we've deteriorated over nine seasons from eighth in the Premier League to 10th in the championship and in a really poor championship. So what we need to do is raise our sights a little bit and start to look at quality 
Uh, and if if they're not going to do that, then Lai and his cohort need to just get out and let somebody in for whatever loss, whatever haircut he has to take, uh, so that West Bromwich Albion can regain its sort of uh, mojo a little bit. And I, I know I'm having a bit of a rant here, I know I am, but when I look at these players that we're mooting about keeping or have signed or are going to be there next season, I look for the quality that we've lacked this season and I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, one last thing on Malumbi before we move on. I just fit for me, I just think him and Taylor Gardner Hickman do very similar jobs. They are, they bring that energy and that industry to the midfield. And for me, I just think TGH does a better job of it. I think he's more direct with his energy rather than Malumbi, which I feel like he just runs around aimlessly. But like I said, I don't want to be too negative. Maybe in the future he'll improve and he might um, be next to a good player, a ball playing player like Romain Sawyers and he might have a good partnership there. So the rest of midfield, um, for me personally, I wouldn't be unhappy to see any of them go. I think I'd like to see Dean Garner have one more season because he has shown flashes of the old Dean Garner a couple of years ago when we were in the championship before we got promoted. Um, Romain Sawyers, I'd like to see him come back. I think he could bring some quality to the midfield. He's a very good ball-playing centre midfielder. Everybody else, though, I, I wouldn't be disappointed by. Um, Alex Mowat, it might have been because he was playing with an injury, uh, which obviously he's mass- missed the last couple of games from. But I think, like John said quite a few weeks ago, there needs to be a conversation had with him whether he wants to be at the club or not. Uh, Adam Reach can definitely go for me. I just don't think he adds enough to the squad um yeah so in terms of the mid- rest of the midfield we've talked about Molumbi at length but john um yeah who would you want in that that first team next year and, and who do you want to go the midfield was the was for me was a real problem area for us yeah, this year um, i agree uh, and i think we never found the right balance um which suggests to me that we haven't got the right balance within the team so you know what i'm about to say is tempered on that um unfortunately <clears throat> we need to keep Livermore because he's, he's triggered is um, another one who's triggered a, a contract extension. But I would have been looking to move him on definitely, um, especially now that we've signed Malumbi and we've got Taylor Gardner-Eatman who can all play defensive midfield. I just think he's a complete third wheel. Um, Mowat is a, now I know that Mowat is injured, has been playing injured. It makes a lot of sense to me um, yeah. because. The thing is, I mean, when he was playing for Barnsley, he was in the team of the season. You know, he was a top, top. He was like a, one of the best midfielders in this division. Mm. And if you remember what he was like at the start of the season, you know, he was sitting he on the quality. edge of the box and he looked dangerous. He looked like the best player in the division to me. Yeah. So, um, other than Mitrovic. So, I would, I, I think Moet's got to stay because I think, I think once he's fit, if he's got to have some surgery to get fit, I think, and I think we can utilise him definitely. Um <clears throat> Romain Sawyers could be, could go either way. He could be a feel like a captain. He could be the captain of the club for all you know. You know, he's 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 a fan of the club. He gets on really really well with the fans. He was probably one of our best connections between the fan base and the club uh, while he was when he was here under under Billich. Uh, whether or not he's still got that that desire to do that and have that relationship with the fans. I don't know. I hope so because I, I really like Romain Sawyers. I think he brings a lot to the table. Yeah. Uh, and I think he could add us something, add something different. We discussed this, didn't we? Um, 
a couple of weeks, couple of weeks back, I think, uh, about yeah. Romain. So, was, so I won't repeat myself. But those three, you know, those. And if, if we're classing Taylor Gordon-Hickman as a defender, take it, leave him in the defending pool. I'd go with Mowat to keep. I would be looking to keep. Um, obviously, we've got to keep Malumbi, um, and I'd be looking to keep uh, Romain Sawyer's. And then for the rest of them, I'd be looking actively looking for buyers. Yeah. Including Dean Garner, because I know that you, what you've said about Dean Garner is true, but I do fir- I firmly believe we could get a reasonable fee for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think with um, sorry, but before I come to you, Steve, I just want to quickly say in terms of Alex Mo, and I have mentioned this quite a while ago now, but I'd like to see Mo in a more advanced position. I think see Bruce said didn't he that he's going to be four four two or four two three one, and I think that Mo might operate quite well as the one in between the two, if he's going to play almost as a number 10, I suppose. You've got two midfielders, possibly Romain Sawyers, Jason Malumbi, and then Moa in front. And the way he can shoot, it might just be an option. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that for certain, but I just think he, he could do well in that position. But anyway, what, what do you think, Steve, out of that bunch of players I mentioned? The other two, I'm just going to quickly give honourable mentions to, Ray Hantulluk and Cuevan Castro. Obviously, they're still youth team players trying to break into the first team. So I'd hope and expect those two to stay next year. Um, but yeah, so the rest of the players, what, what's your thoughts on the on the midfield? I think they, uh, if I'm brutally honest, I would allow any of them um, to leave, provided we got a decent fee for them. But who would um, you want? Who would you? Sorry to interrupt you. Who would you want in the midfield next year as part of this overhaul? So if you look at the sign lineup in the first game of next year. Is there any of those names that you'd want in the starting lineup? Well, no, I mean, I, I agree with what John's said largely with regards to Mowit. Um, because I, I thought to myself, he's unhappy, that kid is. And and, and I remember the conversation we've had previously. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, he's just unhappy. Uh, and he's allowed it to affect his professionalism on the pitch. Um, because this world-class communication with the uh, with the fan base, uh, <laughs> I never I never thought for a second that we'd be denied access to the fact that he's injured and he's carrying an injury. Um, but of course, uh, communication perhaps isn't quite as world class as we thought it was as we were led to believe it was going to be. And so now we find out that he's been injured and carrying it, then he's got a heroic look about him. So unless somebody comes in with a really good bid for him, I'd like him. In, in the midfield. Um, Sawyer is, is an intriguing one uh, because due to our plethora of managers, um, it's difficult to sort of decide whether he's any good because it depends on which manager you talk to. So you'd have to pick the phone up and dial a few up and say, what do you think, um, to get their impressions of him. But, I mean, as a defensive midfielder, um, he was pretty disastrous, I thought, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, where are the worldy own goals going to come from if he's not in the squad? But it's like, I don't want that to be the lasting sort of impression of uh, of Romain because he's one of us and I'd like him to be there and I'd like him to be played properly, uh, at least for another season, um, because I think that's what he's got with us. Um to see whether or not it's worth offering him another another contract, but honestly, as far as the rest are concerned, uh, I'd be quite happy to uh, to move him on. Livermore for me is a spent force, uh, an extremely expensive 
spent force if the reports are correct. Um, and I just don't see any merit in him. Um, I, I think he's cost us points this season um, with his absences and and with his uh, lack of discipline and his. Um, so no, I'm I'm not I'm not overly impressed with the rest of them. Um, but like I, I'm I'm sort of in John's camp here. Is yeah, there's a couple that I'd like to keep, and I've said who they are. The rest of them, it, and again I'll reiterate, TGH. I'm I'm counting him as as a right back just for the purposes of this exercise. Uh, yeah. Although he's been he's been very good, I think he's more disciplined than Malumbi in midfield. Um, he doesn't get so many yellow cards as Malumbi. I mean, basically every time he goes out, Malumbi he gets a yellow card with one of, with one of his one of his ragged tackles or something. So I see TGH um, as a good right back, possibly, and and a good central midfielder. So I'd want him kept as because of that. Let's look at strikers. Now, this is a really interesting subject and there's been a load of talk about Carl and Grant uh, recently amongst the fan base on social media. 18 goals, I believe, he's finished with. By far our top scorer. Um, but there are there are fans who are disappointed with his contribution except for his goals. Now, I suppose, and the other side of the argument is, well, he scored 18 goals for a very average Average middle of the middle of the league uh, championship club, which is an impressive goal tally. Um, so I'll come to you first, John. What do you think about Carlin Grant, and, and do you want him in that starting lineup next year? I think it's difficult with Carlin Grant. I don't feel like we've ever really seen what he's capable of. I always feel like he's been more in his locker um, that he could have he could do. First things first. So I don't know if he, I don't believe 18 goals is a good re, is a good return for him. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would have expected more from him, especially with the amount of penalties that he scored. Um, you know, take those away, and he's looking more like you know low, you know, sort of mid to low double figures. Yeah. Um, he's not a striker. He's a winger. Uh, he's an inverted winger. So he scores goals coming in from the from the left uh, onto his right foot. Um, so that means he can't play in a 4-4-2, in my opinion. He's not a Jermaine Defoe, is he? He's not one of these types or a Kevin Phillips who's in and around the you know, he's in the box. He's 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 dancing around it a little bit, trying to figure out ways to get the ball into the box. So it means that if we if we you know, if Carlin Grant is gonna stay in the team, he's gonna be playing we're gonna be playing four two three one. We're not gonna be playing four four two. Um <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's got a lot, you know, he scored goals for us, he scored some important goals, he scored some good finishes. Uh, there were there was a period during the season when he linked up really really well with Callum Robinson, um, but yeah, I just think um, it's interesting up front for me this uh, this coming season because if DK does come back and and he remains fit, you would think that he's an absolute shoe in to start a centre forward. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if we're playing four two three one, there is only one striker, true striker in the true sense of the word. Um, I agree with you on Moeth. I think if he could move up forward into the, the apex of the midfield triangle in a 4-2-3-1, that would be interesting. Uh, but then it leaves the wide positions. So have we got better in the squad now at left wing than uh, Carlin Grant? No, because I think the only competition is, is Dean Garner, really, or Robinson. And I don't think either of those two are performing well. Uh, so unless we can move him on for 
a, a decent sum and get and 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 reinvest that back into the squad, um, which I think we might be have the opportunity to do that because I think a lot of times with forwards, I think scouts look first at their goal return. You know, the fact that he's got 18 goals this season will mean that scouts will be interested in him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know, in the absence of anything better, I'd be more than happy for Carlin Grant to remain uh, on our left wing. But I would, I'd still, that wouldn't stop me from looking for something better, an upgrade. Yeah, Steve. I'd like, I'd like somebody to come in uh, for with twenty million quid for for Grant, um, because then we could do something with some with a decent chunk of money. Um, he's is a strange. Um, it's a strange situation around Grant um, because there's been this vague feeling about about him the whole season that there are flaws in his game. There are plenty. Um, he doesn't drive into the box enough for me. Um, he's, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do the things necessary for a striker to do. Have, however, he, the fact that he's got 18 goals is, is unarguable. Um, so that will always give anybody who doesn't agree with my way of thinking um, a, a stick to beat me with, if you like. Um, I, I, look, I look at him and I think, well, if he can score 18 goals and I feel like this about him, then personally, I'd like somebody to come in, I don't know, with 15 or 20 million quid for him and take him so that we can we can then sort of um, exercise our magic wand in the uh, in the transfer window and and sort of conjure up these wonderful players that we've been doing in the recent past, um, not. So yeah, we, that's what we need to do really. To, uh, we've got to look at assets who are worth something and try and flog them. And he's 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 our major one. Yeah, I'm the I'm on the fence about Colin Grant. I think, like you've mentioned, his his goal tally is undeniable. He's done well in terms of goals. I don't think he adds a lot besides that. And the other thing I want to point uh, a finger at just just briefly is is the attitude. And now, obviously, I don't know what his attitude is like majority of the time. But if he if the rumours are true or the reports are true that you know he's swearing at Steve Bruce when he's being substituted, that's just not good for a, a team's um, morale. And, well, that was and the that culture was, around this. That was one of the things. That was one of the things that was on my mind when I was talking about there are some. Uh, I don't know idiosyncrasies about about Grant uh, within yeah. the team. In and I just yeah, and that's what I just I'm... think. And I think if you're going to have a completely fresh squad with people who are really driving forward, you know, if you've got someone like that shouting um, swear words at the manager, it's just going to undermine him. So I think that's something that needs to be brought into uh, consideration. But yeah, you know, goal scored, goal scored is is undeniable, and he is a good championship striker at the very least. Um, I, th- I think he's he's the unlikable type that we talk about in this squad. And we say that it's difficult to like this squad because yeah. he's very aloof. Um, he doesn't he doesn't seem to talk with emotion, any emotion. Um, if you actually watch him talk, he's a very dead deadpan guy. Um, and then, you know, you find out that he's, he can be quite petulant at times. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't if, see him, if, sorry, but you don't see him dart around the pitch either, do you? No, Making tackles, chasing back. It's It seems no, very, yeah, sorry. He's not, he's, he's, that's what I mean. You're exactly right. You know, he doesn't do any of the things which endear him to anybody, really. Um, but he scores goals. So, you know, I suppose he'd, he'd look at that and say, well, what more do you want? You know, I'm a striker. Mm-hmm. Score goals. Lots. So, we want lots more. We want lots more yeah. of our strikers. 
But you know, I, I think he's he's the main one that you'd sit there and say it's difficult to really bond. You know, sort of really sit there and look at the guy and think there's a guy who's really who's bleeding for the shirt. Would you? You wouldn't say no. that about him. You'd, you'd always. That's what I mean when I say that there's more to come from him. Yeah. And then the rest of the strikers. So Andy Carroll's already been told that he's got no future at the club. I've heard so much talk about him recently. Some people have said, "Why are you getting rid of him?" Other people have said, "He's he wants a lot of money." Uh, I've report, you know, reports of twenty grand ish a week, a uh, million pound a year. But yeah, for me, I, I, and I said it at the time, I'm ha- I'm on board with getting rid of Carroll as long as we replace him with somebody better. Is Andy Carroll is Andy Carroll worth one Jason Malumbi to you? Yes. Well, then why haven't we signed him? That's a good point, Steve. Uh, I I don't I don't like the idea of Andy Carroll being uh, one of our strikers uh, for the simple reason that he's holding back the mighty figure of Kenneth Zohor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Steve Bruce himself has said it. Yeah, Kenneth Zohor is a number nine. Um, quite, quite where how he arrives at that uh, that conclusion is slightly mysterious to me personally. But uh, why would we bother with Andy uh, Andy Carroll when when we've got the uh, well, as I say, that that sort of juggernaut of a centre forward. Um, waiting in the wings. Waiting in the wings for his for his for his opportunity to uh, to shine. Yeah, but I think I don't, see, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't see how we can sit here. You know, I know that was fair enough, but but I was that was a serious question I, I posed there. Is if Jason Malumbi is worth one million pounds, say nine hundred thousand pounds, and Andy Carroll's wages for the year are one million pounds, are we saying yeah, that Andy Carroll right is worth less than is is worth less than a Malumbi? Well, when you put it when you put it like that, when you put it like that, yeah, it it makes you think. Um, but what I what, what I have to say is Andy Carroll is has been playing for a contract, and he's he's done okay. He scored what three goals in fourteen fourteen outings for us, um, and that's not enough for me to say. Let's go out and sign him. He, he's he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's a, he's a good ambassador for football in general, and he's a likable character. And I think that's what it is. That's that's it with him well, at the moment. Well, we've just in, sat here. We've in just our sat situ- here, Steve. We've just sat here, Steve, and said that we expect more than goals from our centre forwards when we're talking about Carl and Grant. And the first thing you said about Andy Carroll was he doesn't score enough goals. So do you I, see what I'm trying to say there is? I see no... He, he brings what I'm trying to say is you, you discount him the things that he does bring to the table because he doesn't score goals. And then with Carl and Grant, we're doing exactly the same thing as a group. We're saying that he doesn't bring things to the table that he, that he needs to. I think what when you're a club like us, you need multiple different strikers who offer you different things. And I think if you're going to take uh, a long ball approach where you might need to during a game, you know, you might not want to start that way. But we've seen this season that being inflexible in our approach to our attacking players has hurt us. How can how can having Andy Carroll on the bench waiting to come on be a bad thing for a million pounds? Well, I've said my piece about him. I've, I think, to be honest with you, that he he scored three goals in fourteen games. Now I want goals. The the reason that I said what I've said about about Grant is the fact that we got eighteen goals out of him in forty four games or whatever it was. 
and okay you know i don't think i don't think he's done enough uh, to to make me say we shouldn't sell him because i think we should sell him he's a, he's an asset andy carroll has scored three goals in 14 games um and i i have i'm not seeing i'm not seeing anything particularly in addition to to, to three goals in 14 games from him. I, I know he's a likeable bloke and I know he wears his heart on his sleeve, but I'm just not, what assists, what what, what does he bring? What, I just don't see it. And the other thing is there's a massive risk of injury with Andy Carroll. But anyway, I don't really want to argue about it. I'm just thinking that when I see, when I see Andy Carroll, I see an old Premier League striker who's still got some juice left and, I don't think that I want to be a supporter of a club where that's enough. I want us to go out and find them younger uh, with a bit of acid uh, about them. And I don't mind them being dislikable, provided they do everything else properly. I think me and John at the start of the podcast, like episode one, pretty much, we did talk about plan B. That was uh, one of the buzzwords around the club, wasn't it? That Val had no plan B. Um and it was because it was basically one way or the highway, and obviously got him the sack in the end. I think because Andy Carroll he only had because because he only had the personnel he had. No, and that, point, I know, I know, and that's what I'm going to say is, and Andy Carroll does bring that different element. I know that Steve Bruce wants to play a more possessions-based style, and the rumor is that Andy Carroll dictates our play. So when he's on the pitch, we go more to a long ball style of play. But I think if you're in a game, it's 65 minutes gone, it's nil-nil. It's not working. The possession style is not working. You're going to need to switch it up. And I think having somebody like Andy Carroll to use sparingly, to have him, you know, to come on with 25 minutes to go to, to you know, be that battering ram to create things, to flick the ball on, to win headers. I think he's I think he's an asset. And I think this is a mistake. Um, and I've heard somewhere that this is the sort of mistake that if things go wrong next season, it's a decision that people will look at and criticise him for. It's, it's a chaos creator like yeah. you know he's a chaos creator basically you can see the defenders hate playing against him um and yes you know i can see the, i can see what stevie's saying you know three goals is not he's not a sufficient um you, you wouldn't want to be him to be your main striker would you if he's only no. banging in three no goals. but that, that's what daryl d and that's, there and for, that's exactly it? what no, exactly and that's what n- neither of us are saying that we're, what we're saying is is if you're going to be a promotion chasing side who isn't stocked with the sorts of players that Fulham are, because we have no ambition to buy those sorts of players, we're going to have to have a, a team which can be flexible and can can adapt to in-game situations. And I think he, he gives us that opportunity. And also, I don't buy this rubbish from Steve Bruce that he dictates our play. Is Andy Carroll really so powerful? If, if Andy Carroll is that good, that his presence changes the way the entire team plays, he's well worth a million quid, Steve. Bruce, yeah. I'm talking to you there, because if how can you say that's such a stupid thing as that? To say that he, he changes the way we play and I don't like it, so I'm going to leave. If he's doing it well and we're winning games, who cares, Steve? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> last week I said my piece on what Steve Bruce says in interviews and how they don't make any sense, so I won't go into that again. So just to uh, quickly wrap up the uh, the squad, so we've got Callum Robinson, uh, Kenny Sahor, uh, Daryl DK are the three remaining strikers. I think everybody in the entire club wouldn't be disappointed to see Kenneth Sahor go because he has offered absolutely nothing since he's been there. Daryl DK, I think everybody's hoping that he can have a full pre-season, come back fit and firing, 
Callum Robinson, I think, is the other one that is a little bit of a talking point. Um, sometimes looks quality. You know, I look back at the game last season when we beat Chelsea 5-2 and I think he scored two goals and he was on fire that day. And there's certain times, actually earlier in the season as well, if you remember, he played well. Uh, I think he was as a, as a, as a main striker. Um, yeah, so a difficult one. I've heard reports that he wants to stay. I've heard rumours that he wants to stay. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Callum Robinson, Steve? You know, is he a player that you you want next year or would you be ready to cash in and uh, and let him go? Yeah, he can go. Um, I don't like I don't like players who uh, who smile uh, when we're uh, somebody's running up for a penalty against us. Yeah, uh, well, certainly that's what is that's what appeared to be going on uh, in the photograph that I saw. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, okay, photographs can be doctored or, or whatever. But certainly, if that's a genuine photograph, uh, that 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 makes me. I'm a partisan baggy eh, me, um, and and I want to see grimaces on people's faces when uh, in 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 the blue and white when uh, when somebody's taking a penalty against us. I don't want to see weird smiles. If he wasn't smiling, and that's a doctored photograph, fair enough. Uh, and my, my, the point that I'm making is irrelevant. But if it was a genuine photograph, I'm not enamoured. The he, he is a, he's got some talent. There's no doubt about it. He's one of these players that's got a bit of talent, but not enough quality about him. Um, once again, you know, I can see, I can remember players who hadn't got his attributes, weren't as big as him, weren't as quick as him, who were far more effective than he is. So, uh, so no, he can. Um, he, if we can get some money for him, I'd like him. I'd like him gone. John, I think you can only you can only carry a certain amount of players um, in your team. Um, total luxury players like Callum Robinson, like Dean Garner, are total luxuries. You know, you, you can only you can only you can only you can only tolerate a few. So for me, he's probably the best of a bad bunch. Of, uh, of 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 complete passengers that we've got in, uh, up front. I mean, you look at Matt Phillips, just a complete a complete waste of money he is now. Um, Dean Garner, he's proving to be a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful signing. Possibly one of the one of the worst we've had, other than Burke. Um, when you actually look at his entire career with us, uh, and particularly his career post having been bought, it's just abysmal for the money that we paid for Dean Garner. And then. Yes, Callum Robinson has scored goals where, where here and there, um, which suggests that there is a player in there somewhere who can, uh, the, the, if if somebody can unlock it. But uh, I don't, I don't believe that it's a. Uh, I believe his issue is, uh, is 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 mental. He seems to be, he does odd things on the pitch to me, Callum Robinson, and he disappears in games as well. Um, but that smiling and grimacing or whatever he was doing when the penalty was taken, I have no idea what he even what he was doing. It just looked bizarre. Um, he does that occasionally. But yeah, I agree with Steve largely. I think we could get rid of him if, he, if if there's a if there's a fee on the table, because that would mean we would have made three million pounds profit from Ollie Burke, well three million quid cash from Ollie Burke, which means that we probably, if assuming we can get three million pounds for Robinson, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Right, so that's the uh, the squad sorted. Uh, obviously, Steve Bruce is staying next year. John, we didn't get your thoughts so quickly. Just uh, sort of gather your thoughts on the fact that Steve Bruce will be in charge of this overhaul. And you know, do you think 
he would be successful in that. I personally don't. I'm not a massive fan. Nothing against Steve Bruce. I, I couldn't care less if it was him or Daffy Duck or the boiler man in charge. But um, I just, you know, as a manager, I just don't think he's right uh, for this period in our history or recent history, I suppose. So what, what's your thoughts, John? I can't tell if I like Steve Bruce. And I think he's the savage that's required to do this job. Or if he's if he's not, it's weird. Like, you know, the comments that he came out with about players having to live within an hour's distance of the uh, training ground, I thought was genius when he said it, because it was quite an obvious, unsettled the hell out of everybody. Yeah. Scenario. How, what a great way to start an overhaul by complete by telling everybody that they've got to uproot their entire families to stay playing for the club. Genius. I loved that. I thought that was such a good that was such a good idea. Um, and then he goes and signs Malumbi. Within within so from from one week I've gone from the guy's on board with an overhaul and knows what he's on about, and then the sick and then what he gets rid of a player who I think can offer something and buys one that can't. So to be fair to him, I think he was lumbered with that. Though I think that was you know yeah, but he he, he 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 was the one who gave Malumbi his last couple or couple of uh, of appearances. Appearances, yeah, you know so. We well, might have been aware. I don't know. I don't know if that's incompetence in somebody, you know, at the club who wasn't Steve Bruce or whether Steve Bruce actively was like, yep, yeah, I want him. I'll give him another couple of apps. I don't know. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. So like, I, I think the jury's out on Steve Bruce. I don't trust, I don't trust him. You know, I don't feel like I could trust him, but who would you trust, you know, with this scenario? Because it's a whole lot of, of 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 incompetence that's got us to this point so it's difficult to see past that incompetence isn't it but i'm I'm willing to give him a chance uh particularly based on the fact that he came out with that that quite clever uh comment about do as i say not as i do i thought that was genius to be honest mm. i want to move on to other things now more off off the field things and i, I almost put out <laughs> a little bit of a uh i don't know like a gif or a meme or something like that and he was you, myself, and uh, sorry, you guys and me, sort of at the start of the week, saying, "Well, there's not much to talk about this week, lads." And at the end of the week, being inundated with stories to talk about, uh, and I'm conscious that we're, you know, approaching the hour mark already, and we haven't got through a good chunk of stories. So I apologise in advance that this is going to be a long one. Uh, obviously, being the end of the season, and so much has happened. So anyway, Ron Gourlay has been doing uh, some. Uh, statements I suppose he's been working away um, and I will talk about fan zone and the season tickets in a little bit but first I want to talk about a statement so he he made a sort of um, I don't know state of the union sort of sort of about what's been happening at the club and the season just about to finish and what's gonna happen next year so he said wwba.co.uk this season has been unacceptable and we must now ensure we are better prepared for the challenge of the Skybet Championship when the new campaign gets underway at the end of July. Our results, performances and league position have fallen short of what we expected for this football club. And I am not committed. I am now committed to a summer of change as we build for the future. I understand the frustrations of our supporters and I will do all in my power to help build a team they can be proud of next season. We must recruit players who are proud to play for this great football club, who are hungry to achieve success here and who have the character and ability to drive us forward. Likewise, we'll need to move on players who do not meet those those criteria. We will do all we can to move the things forward this summer. We must be realistic enough to accept that it may take more than one transfer window to complete this process. 
It's not been easy to implement these changes and will need to be shrewd in the transfer market. While the club remains financially sound, we continue to pay high wages and significant amortised fees for the previous transfers, which is inevitably restricts what we can commit to transfers this summer. With that in mind, I simply will not spend more than we can afford. A review of previous transfer windows shows us that the club has spent poorly in recent years. It has overpaid for players who have not improved the performance of the team. It is honest, if not glamorous, to say that we, we must cut our cloth accordingly. Seeking out better value in the market than we have in the past, large amounts of money, while helpful, are not the only recipe for success in this league, which is evidenced by the performance of the clubs who have spent significantly less on transfers and wages than we have while achieving better results. In Steve Bruce, we have a manager who has proven track record of success in the circumstances I've outlined, outlined above, taking Birmingham and Hull to promotions and Aston Villa to the playoff final with limited resources. Steve and I are strong in agreement of, on the changes we must make to the first team squad for us to be successful. We continue to work tirelessly alongside the club's fo football board to ensure we are ready to act when the, when the window opens. We have a big summer ahead, we're already taking the appropriate forward steps. We remain committed and confident we can achieve success. We do not take the loyalty of our fans for granted, and we thank them for their patience during what has been a disappointing season. Upon my appointment, I said I would measure my own success here by returning to the Hawthorns to a vibrant atmosphere. Sorry, returning the Hawthorns to a vibrant atmosphere for which it is famous, and I remain determined to achieve that goal. Now, if I'm honest with you, when I first heard those words, I thought, oh, Look, season ticket renewal time. It's all, you know, it's it's Ken's healthy budget. It's Jeremy P saying, I'm back in, you know, back in the saddle and I'm ready to go. Uh, and I, if I'm honest with you, I took that. So, but one thing I will say for Ron Gourlay, and I'm not, you know, he, there's still a lot more work to be done, but he has improved things, which I will talk about the season tickets and fan zone. So things have improved. And at least now, I, I criticised him, I think it was last week's podcast, for not coming on, you know, more, coming on a podcast, not just as, but any podcast and talking and not giving us the reasons why he wanted to keep Steve Bruce. To be fair to him, he has explained them. And like I said at the time, we may not like the decision, but at least we understand the process and the thinking behind it now. So with that in mind, John, what do you make of that? And, you know, is, is, do you think it's positive or do you think it's trying to control expectations? So, you know... The Steve Bruce's promise of a major overhaul might not come to fruition in this window alone. Absolutely, it's a complete. It's all, it's all about it's all about tempering expectations. <clears throat> There's a couple of things in there that I just think are utter drivel. Uh, the one, <laughs> the, the main one, is around uh, Villa having no resources. They got promoted. They got Jack Grealish playing left wing. And Tammy Abraham. Oh my goodness me. Um, <laughs> Can you see any player of those le level of quality of those two? Sammy Abrams just top scored in Italy for Roma, hasn't he? And Jack yeah. Grealish was sold to Manchester City for £100 million. But apparently, it's insignificant. there's very small resources there for Steve Bruce to struggle to get out of the division. And I'm pretty sure they had John Terry at centre-half at the time, and God knows how much he was on. The so, only yeah. things, the, the, only, the only bit of it that I think is worth listening to in reality is... Uh, the part about recruiting players. Uh, we, we must recruit players who are proud to play for this great football club. That speaks the whole set, the whole statement, really. That tells you that we're all right. We're all absolutely correct. There is a problem with the dressing yeah. room and there is a problem with the, the players. Um, and Steve Bruce has 
told Ron Gourlay that. Um, but I, other than that, it's not. It's no different to what I expected. Um, we've got no money, but I knew that already. Um, Steve Bruce is going to stay, but I knew that already. Um, please buy a season ticket, thanks. Mm. I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard the theory that you don't need a lot of money to change things around. I know Steve Bruce said, you know, you can loan one, nick one, borrow one, uh, buy one. Um, and there is the theory that due to COVID and, and, you know, sort of teams lost a lot of money during that time, that they're not committing to these long-term contracts like they used to. So because of that, especially this season, there's a lot of players coming up, their contracts are expiring and there's free transfers. Now, I believe clubs have to... Uh, um, <clears throat> they have to uh, put their retain slash release lists in by May 21st. So what's that? A couple of weeks away, sort of. We'll hear more and we'll know who's available and who's not. But so there is that theory that you can do it on low transfer fees. You obviously have to pay money for wages and that is, you know, an outlay. But th- there is a possibility there that it could be done. It's just a matter of whether the board, the owner, and Steve Bruce are able to to do it. So, yeah, what what do you think about the whole situation, Stephen? Do you think Ron Gourlay will stay true to his word and, and give us what we need for next season? And Steve Bruce. Well, that's that's a sixty four dollar question. That is, um, I think they'll try. I, I think they they will try to do to achieve that. Um, but from but but from I'm just it's just the same old rhetoric coming out of the club. It, this is what we've always had. We've had one particular small window. Uh, I think it was 2017-ish, 2016, 2017-ish, where we got some money, and it was wasted. It was just well, it, oh, I don't know. It, it was just wasted again. However, I think it is possible to be excellent uh, in the transfer market, uh, but not have vast vast resources to actually uh, pay transfer fees. Of course it is. But what you need then is a spark of genius in the recruiting department. Now, who's changed in the recruiting department for that, that, that sort of is the catalyst for uh, Ron Gourlay to say this? You know, have we have we ditched Ian Pierce? Um, nope. Do we have do we have some bright sparks have moved into the recruitment department, or have there been changes within it that would lend any any credence at all to the the fact that we are now a we've got no money, but b we've got this we've got this really sort of bright shining genius within that recruiting department to achieve the sort of things that we did in the past and and I've mentioned people that we've signed in the past midfield players uh, defensive players forward players we've signed we've signed superb players in the past and they haven't cost us a fortune you know you think about free transfers and um, you you know we've had some great players move in we've had to pay small fees uh, for for other great players that we've had Malumbu strikes me as, as one of them um, the free was um, GMAC from Ipswich, and you know we, we, Kevin Phillips didn't cost us a great deal of money, did it from um, from uh, from the Villa on it, and uh, and you, you think you think about these players who came in and they were sought and and they were 
courted and they were signed by people who got real genius and got us real performers into our team that improved our performance as a team and turned us yeah they were the reason that we turned into a club that had got eight years in the premier league um now for for ron to say the things that he said would indicate to me that something's changed in that in that recent recruiting department that's failed so miserably yeah uh, and i just wonder what that is i'd like to know I think we all know what happened. I'll still say the same thing. Since 2017, we've also been paying for that. It's been a, a downward spiral since then. Um, but something else I want to bring into this discussion is Steve Bruce has been talking as well. He was talking to WBA.co.uk. Um, and he's been you know, saying what his thoughts are on transfers and things like that. So this is what he had to say. We've certainly identified targets, let's be fair. We have had a really disappointing couple of years and I think the time is right now for a change. There has been a lot of players who have done very well for this football club and they have been here for a very long time. I'm never going to dismiss that. This notion that you're going to have 15 in and 15 out, it's just not going to happen. There needs to be a process that's going to take time, but we're already working on it now. We need a change. We need to freshen the whole place up with an influx of new players who have got a hunger and energy to succeed and give us the lift we all need. And then they, I was asked about the younger players uh, and experience, sorry, sorry, younger players and experienced players. And he said, we're looking for a bit of both. I think we're looking for younger players, but you also need that bit of experience, especially in this division. We can identify people who are in the championship. We must also use the low market well, which this club has done successfully in the past. There are some clubs out there, some sorry, some big clubs out there with a lot of good young players. Getting their mixture and that blend will be crucial. Everybody, uh, sorry, getting that mixture and that blend will be crucial. Everybody would like to see a team full of youngsters. Of course, you would. There's not, there's not a better sight. And then finally, does he have any candidates in mind? Of course, we would be naive if we hadn't got players in mind already. We're making inroads with a couple, so let's see where that develops over the next couple of weeks. I'm hoping that certainly by the time pre-season comes around, we'll be maybe three or four faces in the building to give everybody a lift. Now, I don't want to be Mr. Negative. I don't want to sort of, you know, end this season with me moaning. But don't promise major overhauls and then say we hope to have three or four faces in. I'm sorry, that is not a major overhaul of a squad. You've got Ron Gourlay saying... Oh, you know, cut our cloth and accordingly downplaying everything. It's all, you know, manage expectations. And then you've got Steve Bruce coming out now. You know, you were promising the moon a few weeks ago with all, oh, you know, we can do it with no money and major overhaul and all that rubbish. And now it's, we hope to have three or four faces in by the preseason. You need to transfer business done if you can by preseason. Steve said it a couple of weeks ago that you need your faces in. So they can get prepared and you can gel the squad when you fly up. They're flying off to Portugal, aren't they, to do their pre-season training, hot weather training. You need those facing then. You can't be doing it two, three games into the season. Like I said, it, it's just it seems to be tempering expectations. And I'm, I'm a little bit tired of that from West Brom because they they promise these huge grand things. Everybody gets a little bit excited. And then I think they realise that the excitement's getting out of their control. and They can't deliver on it. So they start to make these statements to be a bit more like, oh, you know, calm down. I'd, I know I said major overhaul, but what I really meant was we're going to sign three players. What hey, I think, like as well, what, sorry, Steve, you go. I think the situation that's developed 
is we, we, we've got to consider is the fact that next season starts very early um, because of the uh, the World Cup situation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think because of uh, because of that situation, and I've I've thought about this because I've said the same as you, Mike. Um, that in fact you were quoting me a lot of in a lot of what you said then. But the season's going to start so early this this time round that it's probable that we won't get even possibly one of these players that we want in prior to that that coming in because of that situation. It's really strange. I mean, normally the season starts early August, doesn't it? Uh, and yeah. I think this time it's it's starting well into well well into Late mid July. July. 30th yeah, July, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. oh, is it the 30th? Oh, right. Yeah. Then. So it's not that much earlier then, to be fair. But it's, I think time is a little bit more limited. What I would say, though, uh, and in complete agreement with you, is that we do need these players in sooner than we've been famous for. Um, you know, we, we we need people to be able to, if we're going to, if we're going to have a major overall of the squad, uh, but it's not going to happen until we're about eight games in. Um then it's going. It's, that's going to seriously affect the stuff. You, you look at Daryl DK. You know, Daryl DK came in late. I know it's. I know it's January, but it just doesn't work. We need to get this done early. We need to move quickly. They're talking about free transfers. Well, you need to move quickly because there's going to be a lot of competition for them. So we need to really make a statement and know and make you know make the fans see that the club is going to deliver on its promises. I think if I think trying to sort of slightly. Uh, bring something else in. So, but I am trying to stay where we are as well at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Is what they've do, what he's done is he's released two very suspect. There's been two very suspect uh, statements come out of the club, either sandwiched either side of what they knew would be popular, which is the season ticket price renewals. If you've got kids, it's great. Yeah. Less less great if you're you know just a single adult or uh, just a couple of adults who are just looking to go and watch the game because nothing changes for you but if you've got kids and you know and they're looking to obviously fill the gaps in ad- an adult tickets with kids tickets that's obvious what the, the price structures do and that's what they've done you know they've given us a dose of realism either side of what looks to be a uh, very very positive season ticket uh, season ticket prices for some people and what those people will what they're banking on those people doing He's been so distracted by the fact that oh we can all go to the Albion now next 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 uh, season let's do that to the whole family that they've completely forgot that there'll be nothing to go and watch that's any different to this season, um and that's what the that's what the statement says it says all those things that we led you to believe well in reality nothing changes in reality it's it's going to be the same as it was before but hopefully we're going to get some different players in thanks we knew that yeah. already I think. You know, and let's talk. Let's bring that in there. So let's talk about the season tickets. Let's talk about fan zone. So, uh, just to quickly go through the details of the um, the season tickets, uh, the changes. If we can just find that. So basically, twenty three pounds uh, for a season ticket for under seventeen. Ninety nine for seventeen to nineteen year olds. Ninety nine pounds. It's one hundred and ninety nine pounds for twenty to twenty five year olds. And there's no price increase for adults now. You know, I think that's a positive. I think there's been a lot of positivity around social media. You know, we we've said a lot, haven't we, that football um, is losing fans and they blame esports. They blame, you know, other things. But I think 
you know, if West Brom's not going to put on a decent show and not going to be entertaining, then why would fans bother? But it does encourage younger fans to go. And as a, a dad of two young kids, it is, you know, it's it's a good move. I'm 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 happy. Uh, but I understand your point as well, John. You know, people who are, are adults and single adults or a couple of adults who want to go, it doesn't really change anything. Um, so there's that. That's Like I said, I think it's a positive move. The other thing was they're bringing back fan zone. Um, I w- I've got a little bit of a quote on those two uh, with Ron Gourlay. And basically, he's just saying that it's imperative that at this day and age that they offer a service that enhances the match day experience. I won't do the whole quote because we've had enough quotes this uh, this episode. But obviously they were talking about enhancing the match day experience. And I think how I feel about it, and like I said, I don't want to be Mr. Negative. I don't want people to be rolling their eyes thinking, oh, he's moaning again. But you can have as much entertainment around the game as you want. You can make the season ticket as affordable as possible. Obviously, you've got the sky problem with moving the fixtures, but that's not out, that's not in the club's control. But if you're not going to put on a good entertaining game for 90 minutes, if you're not going to, what I'm trying to say is provide the fans with a good, you know, team to support and enjoy watching them football, play football. You can do what you want around it. It's not going to change anybody's sort of perspective. For next me, season. Mike, what, you know, look at it from my perspective, I'm looking at it purely from my perspective. Okay. Yeah. What, so what, so what have we been told? We've been told that basically it's the best thing to do. If you, if you want to see, if your motivation to go and watch West Bromwich Albion is to watch a decent side potentially try and win some something in this division, uh, uh, then the best thing to do is wait and see what happens in the transfer window before you buy your season ticket. I think well, from, from my perspective, uh, it's beyond criticism, really. Um, this is, I, I, I experienced this, uh, this very thing, kids for a quid. Um, you may remember it. And uh, took us up, didn't you? Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, thanks. Yeah, th- yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, it was something to do on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon when you two were bored. But it's like uh, it's on. It's beyond criticism. It's, in fact, it's so good uh, that it makes you wonder why it, it wasn't always like this. Yeah. It's one of those. It, it, it's, I mean, the fan zone stopped when we dropped out of the Premier League. And I, I thought, well, why is that then? You know, I mean, whatever you think of the fan zone or our particular version of the fan zone um, is, is irrelevant. But why did it stop? I just don't understand. I think, to be, yeah, to be fair, to, yeah, I, I think this move, we, we've got to cut Ron Gourlay and the club some slack because it is a positive thing. It is good. You know, they're they're saying to the fans... We understand we haven't been good enough, and here's a little bit of a, you know, positive moves around it. I'm not criticising that. I just some, think, some just think, fans. I just think though, that you've got to, you've got to give, you've got to give fans a team they can be proud of, a team they can look forward to going to support. I think everybody can agree they're glad this season's over. It's been, you know, it's been hard the last. <sighs> Well, the entire season, really. It's, it's, low, it's, it's been a difficult. It's, it's low hanging fruit, though, isn't it, Mike? It's what you know. What, what's the difficult one to to deliver? A really positive side, or a slightly different structure for season tickets? I know what you're saying. And yes, we fell, and we fell, we fell for it. We fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker again as a fan base. I think when the podcast returns, we'll know more. I think when we come back, you know, like I said, end of June sort of time. 
we can really have an opinion on it. But I think for now, how I'm going to feel about it anyway, you guys can feel how you want, but how I feel about it is I'm going to cut Ron Gourlay some slack. The things he he's in control of, he has done the best he can with. Let's see what happens in the in the in the season. I am, you know, I'm willing to give him that chance, and let's see where we are come the end of June. When we, I think they come back to pre-season training around the start of July, maybe at the end of June. So let's see we are where we are then. But for the now, I'm going to cut in that slack and say, you know, good job, Ron. You've done well, but we need more. We need a we need that major overhaul that Steve Bruce promised. Yeah, we. I think we're getting a bit. Um beyond what i was in the middle of saying to be honest with you and, and because i just think i just don't think there's anything to criticize um i think the pricing the pricing for the the season tickets is is a, an excellent uh, an excellent situation to for the club to come out with you know for it's not just for kids for a quid that that you know that 23 quid for a uh, for a season ticket for a, a youngster um it is beyond criticism yeah, and I've got personal experience and so have you. Um, and then, but beyond that, uh, it's graded. So the, you know, the, the old students, uh, uh, season ticket isn't there, but it's, it's age related now. So it, it gets slightly more expensive to go up there. The older that you get uh, until you're an adult, in which, in which case then it's the adult season ticket price. And I don't think they can reduce the adult season ticket price by much anyway, to be honest, in because we are not in a position financially to be able to do it if you're in the premier league there's an argument for making a season ticket much cheaper but there certainly isn't in the championship because the money's not there but uh yeah so beyond criticism um but uh yeah and i agree with you with regards to the major overall in the team um but you know what they're doing is they're trying to get everything else that is uh you said it's low-hanging fruit john it, yeah, it is that, but it's easy to get the low and get, let the low hanging fruit just drop and rot, uh, and at least they're not do, at least they're not doing that. Yeah, something else I'm going to give Ron Gourlay credit for as well is he agreed he's agreed in principle to um, commission a independent investigation into this loan. Now we've talked about this a few times on the podcast. Uh, I think Steve Maley did a very good article on it recently. But basically, um, back in 2014, I think it was, somewhere around that region, um, Jeremy Peace, so the club loaned WBA Holdings, which is the parent company that owns West Bromwich Albion, £3.7 million. Now, around this time, WBA Holdings' stake in the club went up to 75%, which gives them more power. Um, and basically S4A, the shareholders for Albion, uh, aren't very happy about this. And they're saying that they want an investigation. Jeremy Peace has come out, uh, I think, he did an interview with it uh, some t- somewhat time back now and said that there was no, you know, mis- mis- misgivings happening. You know, he didn't use that money to then buy a bigger stake in West Bromwich Albion. Uh, but where, basically when Goa Chen Lai bought West Bromwich Albion in 2016, well, he bought WBA Holdings, which is the parent company, like I said, of West Bromwich Albion. He assumed that debt. And that debt hasn't been paid back in any way. So it's now ballooned over to £5 million with the interest. Um, and so basically, Zhuke, the uh, CEO at the time, said that he was going to pay the loan back, and I believe via a dividend. That's what I heard. 
um, but he was sacked before that could happen. I think he said he was going to um, he was going to be done by the end of February, and then in early February he got the sack. Um, so basically, it's still going on. There's still this um, there's still this disagreement between you know S4A and what's happening. So like I said, there's going to be an end in I think in principle anyway. There's going to be a independent investigation, which I believe is going to be funded by the club. Well, it will be independent. I think the findings of it will be made. Will be they won't be made public. They will be confidential. Um, so I don't think we'll get a well, a public solution to it. But it's good that this is being looked into because you know this debt is is obviously getting larger and larger. It is weird that it's almost one part of West Bromwich Albion that borrow lends that owes another part of West Bromwich Albion but it, it something needs to be dealt with so once again I will give Ron Gawley that credit it seems to be that he is trying to get his ducks in a row and organize things one by one and hopefully the next thing that he has to put turn his attention to will be player recruitment hopefully it has to be it has yeah. to be absolutely um, so let's talk about another little bit of a story. So player of the season. <laughs> I almost feel like these awards must have been ironic. Um, but we had the player of the season awards or the end of season awards. Um, and basically it was announced that Matt Clark won the fans player of the season. Personally, my vote was the boiler man, but he wasn't an option. Um, but yeah, so Matt Clark wins Albion's player of the season. Obviously, Colin Grant won a top goal scorer of the season, which I believe was 18 goals. It was 16 when it was announced, but obviously scored a couple of goals against Barnsley yesterday. The goal of the season was Alex Mowitz against Cardiff, an absolute thunderbolt uh, from his left foot, which was a beautiful goal. I think we won 4-0 that, that day. Um, yeah, great game. Taylor Gardner-Hitman wins Young Player of the Season. I think that's a no-brainer, absolutely. He's been our standout youngster this season. And Matt Richards wins the Academy Player of the Season. So congratulations to all them. Um, like I said, it hasn't been a particularly successful season, but, yeah, I suppose they were our standout performers. Um, in terms of transfers, just a couple, re- or just one, that I've seen. Obviously, we talked about Jed Wallace, uh, Matthew Swift, and somebody else from Blackburn that I can't, names come to mind right now uh but the the rumor going around social media i don't know if there's any truth in this but i'm just going to mention it because it's been going around social media was that apparently coventry city are interested in signing matt phillips i think we're all in agreement that if there was a any sort of a bid that came in for him we would we wouldn't be disappointed to see him go but we'll have to see if there's a driving there tomorrow (laughs) yeah but i'll have to see if there's any truth in that um you know as the as the pre-season, the closed season and the transfer window opens and, and things progress. Um, well, a few more things I want to talk about before we end the podcast and the season, the season, basically. The EFL is going to introduce VAR into the championship playoffs. We would have liked this to have affected us, but obviously we weren't in the playoffs, so it doesn't. But VAR is going to be brought in. I think, and I won't go on about this for too long, but considering the mistakes that have been made this season and the refereeing has been a little bit subpar. I think uh, VAR probably is a welcome inclusion. I know it's not perfect and it's definitely had its problems in the Premier League, but I think the clubs that are in the playoffs will probably be quite happy about that, I'd imagine. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, like, you know, this is this is the, the, the calm, hopefully the calm before the storm. I think, from my perspective, I think I feel like the... We are 
I just have no faith at the moment in what's going on and what's being said. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's probably what worries me the most is that this is so crucial. And I, I, everything that's being said suggests to me that nothing's changed. Everything's the same as it was before. Um, it has to not be um, because I think if if we are in a, in a position where things don't change, I think the really bad times could be next season and onward. Um, um, but finishing on a positive, you know, at least they've got the opportunity now. I feel like they should at least know what they need to do. The, 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 the nature of those statements suggests that they know that they need to overhaul this squad. But yeah. I don't think they have the opportunity. They don't think that they're going to have the opportunity to do it is what worries me. I think to be fair to them, at least they're not coming out and saying, well, you know, the squad's great and we don't need to change anything. At least they're saying the right things. Um, the one thing I do want to say before we go is our new feature. <laughs> I almost forgot about it, but uh, have your say. I put a post out on social media just saying, you know, what's your guys' thoughts and what do you want to discuss on the podcast? So we've had a few comments I just want to run through quickly. So on the Facebook side of things, uh, Lewis, thank you very much for the comment, Lewis. He said, the way fans are towards Bruce, he joined a sinking ship. He hasn't had a transfer window, so you can't judge him on signings as as this squad wasn't put together by him. We should judge him by the results when he has had his squad. The players themselves let the club down massively. We should keep slash release. Who we should keep slash release, which we've already done. Uh, season tickets, good initiative by the club to gain support and trust back within the fan base. Fan zone, another way to gain relationships back with fans. Absolutely, I agree with that. I think, you know, I've obviously got my criticisms of Steve Bruce, I've got my worries about Steve Bruce, but I'm willing to give him that chance and see what happens. We're going to have to because <laughs> he's staying, whether we like it or not. So let's see where we are come the end of the uh, close season and the start of pre-season. Uh, Mark, big friend of the show, thank you very much for your comment, Mark. He said, how long do we give Bruce? How long do we give Bruce if we get off to a poor start? I think it's a great question, and I think it's something that has been on my mind, that I just hope that, I've said before, we need to come to an end of this uh, crisis management and this constant turmoil. I just hope that Steve Bruce has a good start to the season, and it's not sort of 10 games in, we're really languishing around the bottom of the league. He gets sacked, and we're back into crisis mode. I really hope that we're not just delaying the crisis. Um, and also, uh, Jazeel Memi, uh, thank you very much for your comment. He said, major overhaul, get rid of no good players. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and then last one is on the Twitter side of things, um, at youngad underscore five. Big friend of the show, thank you very much for your comment. He said, I didn't manage to get to the game yesterday, but I'd like to ask you or anybody reading this, do you think we suit a 4-5-1 or 4-4-2 as Bruce calls it? The players look to me like they're enjoying playing this system more. I think... It's a difficult one because obviously there's going to be a, a big trans. Well, hopefully there's going to be a big transition of playing staff come this close close window. Yes, they did seem to be playing the four 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 five one four four two, whichever one you want to call it. Well, obviously we won the last couple of games. The Reading game was quite uninspiring, but um, you know yesterday was a good result. What what do you think? Do you think four four two will be a good way to go next season, John? Um, potentially, I mean, I'm not wed to a particular um, um, formation. I think as long as it's as long as it's effective and we've got and we've got the right personnel to play it, um, I'd be happy yeah. with four four two. Yeah, but I, I don't think we've got the mid. I don't if any if Jason Malumbi's a signing, he's not going to be able to play in a, in a midfield too. So um, I'd, be, I th- I'd be surprised if we'd go four four two with him. I think four five one would be a better shout. I think with Daryl DK up front, obviously Carl and Grant can slot in on the left wing or. 
he can be a bit more versatile. But I think in a current squad, four five one would probably be the better shout just because I think it it's probably suit the team. But obviously Steve Bruce is going to sign a lot of players, so he's going to change things around, and we don't know yet. So let's wait and see. But I think in the current squad, four five one would be the one for me. Uh, with and like I said previously, Alex Mowat playing in behind Daryl DK when he's fit. Well, what do you think, Steve? I think four, one, three, two. Yeah. For, for me, uh, I, because it, it, but it all depends on personnel, like John said. I mean, if we've if we've got the same team going out there pretty much um, next season, then we we, we uh, we're just going to struggle. It depends then very much on who comes in. Um, but fourth, I don't mind. I'm in I'm in the John camp as far as this is concerned. Uh, Players make formations, yeah. So uh, what what we need is the right players. Yeah, well, I think we need. I think I've, I've said it before. Teams like Man City, teams like Chelsea, you've got millions and millions of pounds to spend. They can pick a formation and then choose, you know, buy the players to suit it. Clubs like ourselves, who are going to be working with effectively a shoestring budget, we have to buy buy the best players we can and then pick the formation afterwards. So. You know, I think we'll have to wait and see and see who comes in the door and, and how they affect things. So I just want to say um, a big thank you to both of you for joining me today. Uh, it's been a pleasure through the whole season, even during the hard times, to do this podcast. Like I said, this is our last podcast of the season. We will be back. We'll be back at the end of June, um, you know, to sort of do a little update. If there's any big news, we will come back and talk about that as well as soon as possible after the news um but then come i think like i said it is 30th of july the new season starts we'll be back with our weekly podcast but i think we can all take a big sigh of relief that the season's over so yeah thank you very much john thank you very much steve if you want to follow us on social media can on twitter we are at all things wbfc if you want to follow me i am mikey at sorry at mikey wbfc on facebook we are um all things Albion, or you can search for all things WBFC, you'll find us over there. So, yeah, like I said, guys, thanks for joining me and thank you very much for listening. I, I know it's been, uh, like I said, a difficult season, but I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. And thank you to everyone who's took the time to listen or comment or share. It's it, honestly, it's so appreciated. And uh, I've really enjoyed this season, even though it hasn't been the easiest to watch. Uh, so, like I said, thanks again, guys. Boing, boing. Boing, boing. Boing, boing.